Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Barbecue. I'm your host, Rashid Phillips, and This Week in Barbecue is the barbecue-focused podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news in the world of barbecue, the good, bad, and everything in between. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and let's get into This Week in Barbecue. Last week, we did a completely full Q&A episode, and the emails and DMs from you all has been very uplifting and I just really appreciate the response and it seems like you guys would like a bit more of those so going to start incorporating those a bit more starting with this episode I will be doing a whole episode this episode uh, to be exact answering more of your listener submitted questions and if this is your first time listening it would mean the world to me if you would like subscribe and share on your respective platform you can listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or whatever your preferred podcast player is if you can't find us there please shoot me an email at thisweekinbarbecue at gmail.com or drop us a dm at thisweekinbarbecue on instagram and all social media platforms without further ado let's get into this week's first question We have a question from Hydrate King. What are some of your essential veggies to cook with brisket? Appreciate that question. I've never thought of an essential veggie to cook with brisket. Um, Brisket for me isn't like a steak where you would typically have, you know, steak and potatoes or steak and mushroom sauce or something like that, you know, or ribs and corn. But, um, Personally, if I had to choose something vegetable-wise to accompany a brisket that I'm making, I typically serve my brisket in what I call like a pitmaster taco, which is a nice hefty slice of fatty with some pickled onions, pickled red onions, uh, a pickle on a piece of white Wonder Bread. And I go to town with that. And when I do have that, I usually make or would try to make some elote, which is like, you know, Mexican street corn. There are a million and one ways to make that dish. You can boil the corn, then char it, then use a crema, then put the uh, Oaxaca cheese. There's there's a lot. There's a lot of ways. But if I had to pick an essential uh, veggie to go along with me uh, serving some brisket, I would definitely make elote and I'd maybe even make it into an elote salad. So I would do the typical cook on the cob, then shave off the bits and try to char it up a bit more and toss that in with all the additional ingredients and make it into a salad that way. But uh, Hydrate, I appreciate the the question. It's definitely a first time I've thought of an essential veggie with brisket, but thanks for listening and thanks for submitting. Next up. A wonderful question here from Shen, I believe, Shen Ridgewood. My apologies, guys, because I'm reading handles um, instead of actual names. That's just how it appears. Um, Question here is, leave firebox door open and control temp with the size of the fire or use the vents? That is a first. Never got that question before. And to answer that question, it's really going to be... Uh, personal preference, but it all boils down to proper fire management. I was in Texas for about a month. All of the rigs out there that I used were straight flow. I think there was one offset, but all of them just had solid doors. 
no vents, no dampeners, just, just solid doors, no flutes or anything like that. And that is all the vents on the door are. It's very interchangeable to be perfectly honest. If you close up the vents and just run it open the door, it's the same thing. It's a matter of ease of use or personal preference. And some who have never used an offset, I'm, we were cooking on a thousand gallon straight flow. You don't need to leave it wide open. Uh, I was using uh, Dr. Meats, which is the name of the rig. Uh, shout out to James for letting me uh, use your rig. I appreciate that. I was using that rig and I probably had the door cracked an inch and a half, two inches at most. And we cooked an obscene amount of chicken on that rig and it held temp and it was flowing just fine. But I'm able to do that because I understand fire management. I understand airflow. That's that's all it is. The doors, the vents. You may even see some um, some commercial rigs at like your local Ace or Home Depot that have these fancy gadget doors and all of these vent type stuff. And that really is is just potpourri. This decoration really doesn't serve a purpose. As long as you're able to properly manage your airflow and get sufficient air pushing through your firebox to fuel your fire doesn't matter if you leave the door wide open crack it or if you're using vents doesn't doesn't matter at all for those of you who watched the american barbecue showdown if you pay attention to the last episode the whole hall cook i actually built my doorways my for, to feed my fires much larger than everyone else because one i'm i'm a mini giant i'm just shy of six seven so i didn't want to be hunching down in the sand or dirt like you saw miss tina or ash so I left a wider opening and I just dampened it, put a, put a little piece of uh, metal in front and that, that was my feeder and that was how I was controlling everything. So before you think you must have this to run your rig, just make sure you understand the fundamentals and the principles behind what you're trying to achieve. So I know that was a little long winded, but I really, really appreciate that answer. Or pardon me, I really appreciate that question. <laughs> Next up, the Flying Hunchman. One day I just got to do an episode where I find out why you guys pick these particular names, because I'm just interested. Uh, Flying Hunchman asked, I smoke on an egg with lump coal and wood chunks. Should I soak the chunks in water? Good question. Um, I believe this is growing from the typical perspective of when people are using wood chips soaking your wood chips to sort of get that uh, smolder and smoke of that flavor of that wood that you're using to, to your to your meats there so you don't necessarily have to soak your chunks actually if you're using an egg um, which is just a Kamado style cooker. I'm, going, I'm working on something that will explain all of this in such great detail, but it's just a Kamado style cooker. One thing I would suggest doing is getting yourself some splits, a very small amount of the lump coal that you're using for to start your fire, and then using splits to run your rig. Set your split in there vertically, not horizontally across, set it in vertically and what it's going to do is, is basically a, a wood version and a vertical version of the snake method where that wood is going to catch and smolder and emit heat and fire from the coals of your of your lump and it's just going to slowly burn and trickle up that's just a great tip technique modification of using your your kamado style cooker now you can go ahead and soak 
your chunks if you want to, but it's not necessary. If you got a good bed of coals and you're placing those chunks properly, you don't have to place them covering the whole bed. Place them on one side so they slowly smolder and emit that wood flavor that you're looking for. That's going to be my suggestion. I know wood chips are really big. There's the foil method with them, but you know, it just really depends on the type of rig that you're using. I can't use chunks, nor can I use wood chips on my rigs. They will just burn up before anything can ever be done with them that get lost really in the firebox if i'm using like a kettle style rig then i definitely use the foil technique on if i have chips only available but i keep a very large supply of seasoned wood on hand along with a lot of fresh green bark um, but the flying hunchman thank you so much for that question i really appreciate it um, next up we've got cpac cuisine what can you do with wood which is too dry this one i answered on social media but i wanted to address it a little deeper here um, wood that is too dry is water is uh, akin to water being too wet when you're running a rig when you're running either open fire using a large firebox or anything of that you need various types of woods in different phases dry wood or too dry wood i guess you, you probably feel like maybe it's overly seasoned or maybe you got a pack of kiln dried or something like that that type of wood is wonderful at roughly almost any phase of your cooking let me explain a couple of scenarios so extremely dry wood like that is ideal when you're firing up your rig when you're trying to get that temperature get that heat flowing because you don't have to worry about it slowly smoldering and you hear the hissing and popping if you've ever put on a split and you hear hissing and popping, look at it. You'll start to see a little steam and vapor come through. That's a piece of wood that's not fully dried out. It can still be seasoned. It could be seasoned to your potential liking, but it's not fully dried out. I keep a couple of thick uh, slits like that when I'm doing my long overnight cooks. Another reason you would want uh, a piece of wood like that that's uh, too dry here is if you're cooking in cold climates cold um, environments perfect example for me when i was in breckenridge last year it was like 17 degrees outside we're running on a on a straight flow and i need that heat and you know i'm fighting the the environment so i'm putting on very 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 dry pieces of wood like i'm not working for any smolder like i need that heat to hold and maintain the internal temperature so that i don't end up having uh, too high of fluctuations in my cook. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, if not, please reach out, send us an email at This Week in Barbecue, but you can never have wood that is too, too dry, and you can even find multiple wonderful uses, uses for uh, green wood, and green wood is just the term for on-season wood. Basically, if you were to just cut down a tree, split it in half, that's, that's green wood. If you try to cook with that wood, you'll understand why. Um, <clears throat> now, next up, we've got a question here from 313 and smoke. I've heard people say never smoke seafood and meat in the same smoker. Is that true? I personally can't think of why you would want to use different smokers for those two. What I can think of is the placement and timing for both of those 
for instance, you wouldn't put on your lobster tail at the same time that you put on your rack of ribs. It's just a timing issue at that point. Also, you'd want to be mindful of the placement that you're putting your proteins. You may not want to put your seafood on a rack above your ribs and vice versa. That works across various platforms and different proteins as well. What I suggest is making sure you're very aware of your timing. If you're trying to make different proteins to feed and serve at the exact same time, make sure you're putting on the proteins that do not need as much time closer to the finishing point of your others. For example, ribs, if you're doing your standard 3-2-1 method, that's about a six hour time frame. You're going to want to put, you know, your salmon or your lobster on roughly 15 to 20 minutes before you're pulling your ribs because they don't require a long time to cook, especially if you're running at something like 250 to 275. That that hard shell on that lobster is just going to be an insulator that's going to expedite the cooking process. So you don't need a ton of time for something like that. So. This question, to me, at least boils down to time management and proper protein placement. I hope that helps a lot there, uh, 313 and Smoke, because you can definitely cook all assortments at once. I've loaded up my rigs with various meats at the same time. Um, chicken, turkey, uh, pork butts, ribs, beef ribs, briskets. But what I didn't do was put them all on at the exact same time. They cooked in various increments and sometimes there are points where that's all gonna overlap, which typically happens when you're going towards uh, serving everything at one time in a final serving point. Um, hope that helps and thanks so much. I, I, I truly appreciate it. Next up, <clears throat> we've got a question here that says, let's see. Oh, likely it's Lids asks, best father's day meal which is a great question because this weekend is father's day weekend it's also juneteenth so i think a solid father's day meal just a meal for a guy in general is steak and eggs and or steak and potatoes you know steak and a loaded baked potato never hurts if you really really have some time and you're trying to get fancy with it i used to serve what i called the pit master potato i actually uh had it on the show once made it there instead of uh regular shredded cheese i made a very cheesy very rich roux uh for some macaroni loaded that down on the uh smoked potato and instead of bacon bits you use some pulled pork or you can make some uh chitron or crackling with some pork belly to put on there and if you're really feeling frisky and want to show out you can make some ribs and just drop a a, <laughs> a rib bone right on top and and serve it that way i think that's a really manly you know beefy meaty best father's day meal um <laughs> i think it's definitely going to be something really in, enjoyable and will wow uh any dad out there so hopefully you do one of those or combine and make uh the pit master potato thank you so much for for submitting the questions um <clears throat> Next, we've got a question from Brett Holmes. I'm a big fan, and you inspired me to start barbecue uh, to start barbecue cooking. How did you start? Um, 
I appreciate that. Thanks, thanks a lot there, Brad. It's always uh, trippy to hear being an, an inspiration, but I truly appreciate that. Um, I, I just, I just started. I've always cooked, you know. That's just been something I've done. But I, I guess my first cook, cook really was actually turkey for a work event, and I did it on one of those cheap twenty-four dollar Walmart square grills we've all seen them during the summer and spring sales that they have right up front with the crappy little damper on the bottom that doesn't work anything for airflow but that's that's how i started i did a whole bird there and it was of course the turkey was too big for it so i spatchcocked it and then that was still too big so i cut it in half and cooked the the, the turkeys in half segments and that's how i got started i just you know continued to read different books uh one thing i've done consistently throughout is take notes i'm always advocating for you guys to take notes on your cooks because you'll look back on those and you'll realize wow that really made a difference i'm glad i did that part so that's uh that's my suggestion to you we've there's a bit of information all around you know if you check out um the website or you check out folks barbecue co or if you visit my YouTube, uh, just go to Rashid Phillips, search that in YouTube, and there's videos in there uh, where I explain how I start and answer even more barbecue-related questions. Um, but thank you so much for submitting this one, Holmes. It really means a lot. Next, VA Mountain Mama. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely doing a Q&A. Like, where did you guys pick your names? Moist Chicken Secrets. My secret that I tell all the time, so it's really not a secret, is brine your chicken. Brine your poultry. I do not um, brine any other meats except for brisket if I'm making pastrami. But brine your chicken. I don't inject either. I just make a very heavily concentrated brine. And I try to let my poultry sit in it for at least 8 uh, to 24 hours, just depending on my, upon how much time I have. And it really imparts so much flavor. It's so simple to do. It doesn't require a ton of ingredients. You can make it as simple or as complex as you want. But I guarantee once you've brined a chicken or poultry and then you cook it, you will taste the difference. You'll see how juicy it is. You'll see how the flavor is all the way through the meat, not just the skin or the top layer. That's my suggestion to you, uh, VA Mountain Mama. And I believe on the site, you can uh, check out rashidphillips.com or phillipsbarbecueco.com and you'll be able to see my one of my brine recipes we have more coming to the site very very soon but uh, I hope that helps you and it's not as hard as you think really not as hard as you think and next we've got the baked ziti baked ziti baked ziti okay cool what should I look for in a good brisket bark Mm. for me personally i look for color i see a lot of briskets out there that come out looking gray or the exterior looks like red and just dry i look to get a beautiful bark that looks like a piece of coal like a nice piece of black coal but it's not dry it's extremely moist and you can see it glistening that's what i look for in a bark also you want to make sure your bark has properly set and it's not falling off. I've seen that happen before where people either wrap too early or 
not use enough bark or they don't use bind or anything like that and then the bark just starts to fall off like like uh, when you get a piece of chicken and the skin just cracks right off that that's what you don't want and I've found for me just giving the 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 rubs and the spices time to properly set on the brisket before I put it on the smoker as well as allowing it to properly set before I start misting or mopping my brisket because if you do that too early you're washing away the flavor and the rub doesn't get any time to fully adhere and form that bark with that fat let it render out but that's what I look for that's that's what helps me and I hope that that a little bit of information um, helps you as well. Now, finally, we're going to wrap up here. Good question by JB Smoked Meats. He asked, how do you start your fire? And I answered this partly on social media. I said responsibly because that should always be how we start our fires. I am not a huge fan of lighter fluid, especially when you have a offset or straight flow rig or any rig or anything with pores in it honestly i'm not a huge fan because that stuff gets in there and it takes so long to burn off and it leaves a slight odor and flit no i just just stay away from lighter fluid guys that's that that to me would be like the only steadfast rule i have from for my style of cooking is no lighter fluid i start my fires using used butcher paper that I saved from a brisket cook that's just soaked in brisket fat and often get asked well how do you how do you preserve it well I just tear it in a little squares you know little five by five or four by five squares let it air dry out on a on a rack stack it put it in a ziplock bag you toss it in the fridge just that simple when I need it I take out a square put it at the very um roll it up a little put it at the very base of my log cabin with a little bit of the bark because I do save the bark from all the wood that I split and all the little finer parts and I use that as kindling light the uh, brisket fat soaked butcher paper and that thing goes up like napalm every single time it's natural I'm not adding any additional chemicals into it it's just going and it's burning a very good consistent fire that's how I started you can use uh, maybe you don't have any uh, used brisket butcher paper. Just use some regular butcher paper with uh, like a canola oil or grapeseed oil or an olive oil. Roll it up, light in the end, just let it set there and it'll catch fire. I've, even my uh, my buddy Jonathan of uh, Smoke and Hope and Jonathan Barbecue, uh, check him out. He does amazing things in Arizona. He's done a few videos where he shows different ways that he starts fires using like a Dorito chip, a Fritos chip. Um, he'll do a, a olive oil soaked piece of uh, paper towel, but however you start it, I just cannot start any of my fires for my cooks using lighter fluid. Um, but I appreciate that question, JB. Hope that helps out a fair amount. And thank you so much for submitting it guys. That is uh, the end of today's Q and a episode on this week in barbecue. I truly appreciate you guys submitting these questions uh, sharing the podcast. There was just so much amazing response and listens and shares from the last episode. Keep them coming. Let me know what you guys want to hear because I'm here to deliver the news and information and make this enjoyable for you guys and informative 
as well. So please like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, tell two friends. And I've been your host, Rashid Phillips. As always, thank you so much for listening to This Week in Barbecue. And have a wonderful day. Be good to one another.